Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. And right now at Melbourne Heights, we are in the middle of a sermon series called The Promised Land. And all throughout the series, we're exploring how the people of Israel were able to get unstuck and enter into the Promised Land after being in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, in this week's episode, we're going to talk about what happens right after the people of Israel finally enter into the Promised Land. What God tells them to do to help the people of Israel as they're feeling a little uncertain about what the future holds. So, let's get right into this episode's sermon and see what God tells the people of Israel to do. to be there for our community. 
inside these walls that we now call home. We're to get to continue to reach out and serve those in need all around us. Inside these walls that we now call home, we get to continue to be the church God has called us to be, to do the ministry that God has called us to do. But as I stand up here today, I can't help but find myself wondering what it would have been like to have been at Melbourne Heights Baptist Church almost 65 years ago on that Sunday morning when our story officially began. I can't help but wonder what it would have been like to be one of those 134 people when they woke up on Sunday morning and got ready to go to church, when they put on their suits and ties and their dresses and pearls and headed over to the place that they would be calling home. I can't help but wonder what it would have been like what thoughts were running through their heads as they picked up that pen and signed their names on the founding documents for our church. I mean, were they excited about the new beginnings that were happening all around them? Or were they feeling a little stressed out about having to pay the mortgage that they had taken out to build the new sanctuary that was under construction? Were they eager to start reaching out to the community that was sprouting up all around them? I wonder if anybody that was there that morning was thinking ahead and wondering if this church would still be around almost 65 years later. Or maybe for some of those people as they were driving to church that day, they were replaying an argument that they had with their spouse the night before. And that was all they could think about. Maybe for some of the people that, that were coming to church that day, they were frustrated because they had spent all morning trying to help their kid buy the matching pair of shoes. So they were so frustrated by that, they couldn't think about what the future held. Maybe they were stressed out about having to find a new job in a new part of town that they now called home. Maybe they were worried about paying their own mortgage, so they weren't really thinking about how the church was going to be able to make ends meet. Through this, I don't know. I can't tell you what thoughts were flowing through the minds of those 134 people when they came together that Sunday when Melbourne Heights officially began. I don't know what it was like to be in Melbourne Heights that Sunday. And I don't know because, simply put, I just wasn't there. I'm only 40 years old, so all of this happened 25 years before I was even born. But I do have an idea of how I would have felt had I been there that Sunday morning almost 65 years ago. I have an idea especially of how I would have felt if I had been the pastor of the church that day. Because i got to believe it feels a lot like I feel right now, this morning. So i got to believe that if I had been the pastor 65 years ago when this church got started, I would have been excited about all the new things that were happening all around me. I would have been inspired by the faith of those 134 people who were willing to step out in that faith and sign their names to officially begin this church. I would have been thrilled that we would soon have a new place that could be calling home. And I would have been eager to start reaching out to that community all around me. But I don't think that's the only way I would have felt that day. I mean, if the pastor back then felt the same way that I feel this morning, then I can tell you that he also felt exhausted. Because it's hard work moving to church and getting things ready. I think I've worked at least 10-hour days for the last eight days. So I'm pretty tired this morning. But I'm not going to complain because we had lots of volunteers that were pitching in, working every bit as hard as I was to make this day a reality and make this place feel like it's home. But I don't think I would have just felt excited and exhausted either. I also think I would have been scared to death that day. And I would have been scared to death that day for a whole lot of different reasons. 
I would have been scared to death if I was the pastor of that church 65 years ago because 134 people were looking at me to lead them into this new unprecedented chapter in the history of the church. I would have been scared to death because I wouldn't have even known how to begin reaching out to this rapidly growing community that the church found itself in. I would have been scared to death because there would have been a mortgage that needed to be paid off. That new construction, that new sanctuary could be built. reasons that I would have had to be afraid that morning would have been one reason, one thing above all others that really made me scared. And this is a fear that we have all felt plenty of times in our own lives. It's a fear that you may have felt your very first day in a new school when you were growing up. When you walked into that cafeteria for the very first time and you looked out on that sea of faces, you felt a little bit afraid because you didn't know where to sit. You didn't know which group might invite you in or who you may inadvertently offend in the social hierarchy that is high school. So you were afraid. Or this is a fear that you may have found when your youngest kid went off to college and you walked by their bedroom one day. When you looked into that room, you saw all of the trophies and pictures and mementos that they had accumulated over 18 years. You felt lost because they weren't still sitting in that bedroom they had called home their whole life. Or it's a fear that you may have felt when your doctor told you that she needed to run some tests. So you went in and you got poked and prodded. They ran scans. They drew blood. And then you just had to sit around and wait for that phone call to come or for your next appointment to roll around so you'd have hopefully some idea of what was going on. This is a fear that we all know well. And it's a fear that comes from the same place. And that place is uncertain. I mean, let's just be honest about it right here and right now. It's scary when you don't know what the future holds. It is. It is scary when you don't know what the future holds. And it doesn't matter if if we're talking about being scared because you're waiting to hear test results from a doctor, or if you're um, feeling that fear because you're trying to figure out how to navigate this new chapter in your life, or if you're feeling this fear because you're trying to figure out if you're going to be able to make new friends in a new place, or if you're feeling this fear because you're trying to figure out how to lead a church into the future. It's scary when you don't know what the future holds. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do when we feel this fear that comes from this place of uncertainty? Well, I told you a couple minutes ago, I don't know what it was like to be there that first Sunday when Melbourne Heights Baptist Church officially began. So I have no idea what the pastor at the time, a man named Willard Newberry, preached on that morning. But I do know that as we come together and we worship today in Melbourne Heights, that we are in a similar place to where that church was where our church was all those years ago. Almost 65 years ago, 134 people came together signing their names on the founding documents of this congregation, starting the story of Melbourne Heights. But today we're starting that next chapter inside of our story, the story that we get to tell as a congregation. So as we come together today, we're feeling excited, amen? We're feeling 
excited that we're here and in this place. And we are excited about the work that God is going to do in us and through us as we meet inside of this place. We're excited that we get to have kind of a home base where the work and the ministry of Melbourne Heights happens. We're excited for this new beginning and this new chapter in the history of our church. But if we're being honest, deep down inside, we have to admit that we're not just feeling excited today. We're also feeling at least a little bit afraid. And we're feeling afraid because we don't know if some of our old friends here at Melbourne Heights are going to join us in our new space. We're feeling at least a little bit afraid because we don't know if new folks are going to be able to find us where we're at now. We're feeling at least a little bit afraid because we don't know, if, in spite of our best efforts, in spite of how hard we work and how much ministry we do, if our church is going to grow and thrive. But also, we're feeling at least a little bit afraid because we just don't know what the feeling that we are all feeling that way today, or at least most of us are feeling that way today, because I know that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm excited, but I'm also scared. But I also know that God doesn't want us to be afraid. God doesn't want us to be afraid, and I know that God doesn't want us to be afraid, because as you read through the Bible, over and over and over again, God tells us, do not fear, don't be so for us to enter into this new chapter in the story of Melbourne Heights, the way that God wants us to enter into this new chapter, we got to figure out how we can overcome our fears, right? I mean, because here's the thing. God doesn't want us to be afraid, but it's one thing for me to just stand up here and tell you that, hey, God doesn't want you to be afraid. That doesn't do a whole lot of good for you, does it? No, we have to know what we can actually do about that. So what can we do to overcome the fears that we're feeling right now? Whether it's us as a church or with you, whatever's happening in your life right now. So what do we do to overcome these fears? Well, to help us answer that question, I want us to continue to explore the story that we started taking a look at last Sunday at Mountain Heights. And just as a reminder for you, last Sunday we started exploring the story of how the people of Israel were finally able to enter into the promised land. So when we left off last week, we had just heard the incredible story of how God caused the Jordan River to stop flowing so that the people of Israel could walk across the Jordan River on dry ground to enter into the promised land. Well, today I want us to pick up where the story, where we left off last week. So if you've got a Bible close by, let me encourage you to go ahead and grab it and turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. And as we read in Joshua chapter 4, I want us to pay attention. So the first thing that God tells the people of Israel to do when they enter into the promised land, because what God is telling them to do is going to help them as they face their fears about the uncertain ground, the uncertain area, the uncertain chapter that they're entering into together. So Joshua chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stand. So Joshua called together twelve men, and he appointed them from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you 
was to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among them. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial of the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. For they are there to this day. So did you hear? Did you hear what God wants the people of Israel to do in this passage? In this passage, right after God had caused the Jordan River to stop flowing so that the people of Israel could cross over on dry ground. Right after the people of Israel had entered into the promised land by crossing over the dry Jordan River bed, God tells them, tells Joshua, to send 12 of them back. To send 12 people, 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe to go back and to pick up a stone from the middle of the Jordan River bed. Now this isn't something that they could ordinarily do, okay? This is something that could only happen because the river had run dry. That's what Joshua does. He sends 12 men from the tribes of Israel to go back, and they go back and they pick up these rocks. They put them on their shoulders. They carry them out of the Jordan River, and they bring them to Joshua. And Joshua takes these stones, and he arranges them into an altar. An altar is a place where we worship God. But Joshua does more than just build an altar. He also creates a monument for the people of Israel. And a monument is something that we use to remember what God has done for us in the past. And then all of this happens for a reason. God wants the people of Israel to remember what he has done for them. That's why he created, told Joshua to create this monument and this memorial, to remember what God had done for them. And just take a second to think about how powerful a reminder this would have been for the people of Israel. How powerful a reminder this would have been when they saw these 12 stones. I mean, whenever the people of Israel were facing a time of uncertainty, when they were afraid of what the future held, they just had to walk back to these 12 stones and take a look at them and remember what God had done. Because when they looked at those stones, it's not like they were looking at a commemorative plaque up on the wall that said what God had done. They were looking at 12 actual stones that had come out of the Jordan River, which is no small feat to happen. Because on average, the Jordan River is 30 feet wide and six and a half feet deep. So you're not just pulling these rocks out at any time. This is a powerful reminder for the people of Israel of what God has done for them. And God does this for a reason. God sends the people of Israel back into the middle of the dry river bed because God knows the only way we can overcome our fear about the future is to remember what God has done for us in the past. The only way that we can overcome our fears about the future is to remember what God has done for us in the past. Now, I'll be completely honest with you this morning. I think it was probably a whole lot easier for the people of Israel to remember what God had done for them in the past than it is for us to sometimes remember what God has done for us 
right? I mean, God literally caused a river to stop flowing right in front of the people of Israel. I think they're going to remember that. And if that's not enough, they were able to go down and pick up actual rocks that they could set out that came from the middle of that 30-foot-wide, six-and-a-half-foot-deep Jordan River so that they could look at what God had done for them. But it's not always that easy, folks, is it? I mean, God didn't cause a literal river to stop flowing for us to make it where we are. There aren't any actual stones that we can pick up that remind us of what God has done for us. God has done for us. Because the only way that we can overcome our fears about the future is if we remember what God has done for us in the past. So we have to take that time to remember. And how do we do that? How do we remember? Well, I know that as we come together and as we worship today in Melbourne Heights, that there is a part of so many of us that want to be able to put the past behind us and only focus on what the because if we're being completely honest, if you've been a part of this church for the last five years, it hasn't always been easy to be a part of Melbourne Heights. So we want to put that past behind us and focus on the bright days that are hopefully ahead of our church. But we need to remember all of the struggles that we've faced, all of the obstacles that we've had to overcome as a church if we're going to be able to face our future together. So as painful as it is, we need to remember the financial missteps that this church made 20 years ago when we made the decision to add on to our old building, a decision that ended up overwhelming our congregation with debt. We need to remember how hard it was for us to come to the realization that the only way we could continue to be the church God wants us to be in the future was for us to sell the building that we had called home for 60 years. We need to remember about all of the struggles that went along with learning how to be a church during a global pandemic where we couldn't worship together in person. And we need to remember the mixed blessing of being a portable church for the last 18 months. But that's not all that we need to remember. We also need to remember that when our old building sold, that our debt was erased. And we need to remember that long before our old building sold, we already had learned that you don't have to have a building at all to be the church. We had spent a year worshiping together on the other side of computer screens without getting to see one another at all. We need to remember that as we reached a point in the pandemic where we felt like it was safe to be able to have in-person services again, that God opened up doors so that we had a place that we could call home for the last 18 months. Because there were some challenging times that led up to it where one spot fell through before we finally, finally found a place where we could meet. So we need to remember everything that God has done for us. We need to remember the struggles and how God helped us overcome them. We need to remember the challenges that we face and see how God helped us through. And we need to realize that no matter what we have faced, That's not just something that's true for us as a church, and it's not just something that's true for the church in general. 
It's also true with your life. God has always been there for you in your life. All you need to do is to take the time to look back and reflect on what God did, how God was present and at work in your life. These are the things that we need to remember. Because we can know. We can know that if God was always with us, no matter what we faced in the past, then we can be certain that God is going to be with us no matter what we face in the future. And if we know that God is with us no matter what we face in the future, God can part a river to let the people of Israel cross on dry ground. There's nothing that our God can't do. So as we enter into this new chapter in the story of Mount Titus, we need to step out with that faith. We need to step out with the kind of faith that allowed the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant into the Jordan River to step out into that river before the waters may have stopped flowing, trusting that by the time they made it to the middle of that river that was six and a half feet deep, and they weren't six and a half feet tall, that God was going to cause that river to stop flowing. We need to have the same kind of faith that those 134 people who started the history of the story of Melbourne Heights 65 years ago had when they signed their names on the founding documents of our church, trusting that God was going to lead them no matter what the future may bring. We need to have the faith to step out and trust that God is with us no matter what the future may bring. And we're doing that today in part with these little rocks. So at the end of our service, as you leave the sanctuary space, we're going to have a base there for you to drop your rock in. And this base is going to serve the same purpose for us that those 12 stones serve for the people of Israel. This is going to be a memorial, a monument for us, where we remember what God has done for our church to bring us to this place so that we can have faith that God will continue to lead us God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we are so inspired by the faith of the people of Israel when they were finally ready to step out in their faith, trusting you to cross over the Jordan River and enter the promised land. We are inspired by the faith of the 134 charter members of Melbourne Heights and the way they stepped out in their faith almost 65 years ago to begin our story. And God, I have to tell you, I'm inspired by the people that are sitting in this room worshiping in our new home for the first time. I'm inspired by the people who are joining us online and worshiping with us today and the faith that they continue to put in this church to lead them into a closer relationship with you, to give them a place where they can serve and help grow your kingdom. So God, this morning I pray that as we enter into this new chapter in the history and the story of Melbourne Heights, that you allow us faith that we can trust you, and no matter what the future may hold for us, that you're right there with us, walking beside us, parting the rivers that we may face, overcoming the obstacles that may get in our path. So God, help us to trust in you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our Sermon Podcast. And I hope that this episode has helped you to learn what you can do whenever you're feeling uncertain. Because the reality is that so much of our fear comes from that point of uncertainty. We're just afraid of what the future may hold. But what we need to do to overcome that uncertainty, that fear about what the future holds, is to remember our history with God. Because if God has been with us in the past, which he has, then God is with us right now, and God will be with us no matter what the future may hold. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be continuing on in the sermon series, and we're going to continue to explore what the people of Israel needed to do to enter into the promised land and to be the people that God called them to be. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app, but you don't have to wait till next Tuesday to join us for worship. You can join us in person if you're here in Louisville, Kentucky, or you can join us online on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We worship at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time every single week, and we would love for you to come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another Sermon Podcast.